Welcome back to Pure Skin Talk. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? So this sounds a lot better, right? Now that I'm on a professional microphone and I have an actual person editing this and editing music and my gosh, it just sounds so much better. I know it does. And just everything is better. And I'm so excited that I finally am getting some quality stuff out to you guys. I mean, it's been almost four years, so I think it's probably about time, right? So today we're going to talk about hyperpigmentation and melasma. And the reason we are doing that today in May is because May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. So we got to talk about sun damage and what that means to your skin and we got to protect that skin. And I'm going to give you all the reasons why you got to protect it and how we can protect it and what hyperpigmentation is and what melasma is. So that's what we're going to focus on this month is just, you know, stuff about skin cancer and stuff about the sun and and all of that that revolves around that. So that's what the topics are going to be for this month. And hopefully, hopefully you guys will learn some stuff and hopefully you're already wearing sunscreen. Hopefully you are wearing it every single day and protecting your skin. But if you're not, then hopefully these episodes will uh, encourage you to do so from here on out. But Before we get started, of course, we have other things that we have got to talk about first. Okay, so of course, follow me on social media at PureSkinOC. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I mean, TikTok is slowly growing, you guys. I'm over 300 followers now. I think like 300 and... 30 or something. I mean, come on. We are doing it over there. So follow me. We're going to have some fun. Still going to do a giveaway of my microcurrent device when I hit a thousand people. Somebody's going to get a free microcurrent device. So follow me. The first thousand people. I'm going to do a live because you have to have a thousand people to do a live on TikTok. So Once that happens, I'm going to do a giveaway. I'm going to do a live giveaway. So follow me over there and let's get this going. I'm kind of excited. I think that's going to be fun. And whoever wins, if you don't understand how to use the device, I'll be happy to show you how to do it. There are tutorials how to do it on, um, I mean, they show you how to do it like on the box. I mean, it's with an app. It's so easy to do it. And then I also have videos on my website. But if you need help, I will definitely help you learn how to do it, but super easy and really great for skin, great for, you know, anti-aging and something that you can do at home while you're watching TV or whatever, reading a book, whatever you want to do. Anyways, okay. And then also I have a website, pureskinoc.com. There you can learn all about my business. So if you're local to me and want to come get a service, You can check that out there. You can book online from there. You can see all the services that I offer. You can learn more about the podcast. You can learn more about my products. If you wanted to purchase any products, you can go on there. If you wanted to do sign up for my skincare coaching, that's on there too. Skincare coaching is where I we do a consultation and we talk about your skin and then I send you out an entire routine of sample. So you get to try everything before you commit to buying anything. Isn't that lovely? 
it's such a great thing to do because that way you got to find out if the products work for your skin before you actually have to buy the products. So I think that's great. It is a wonderful way to get products that are customized for you and not your friend. So if you're dealing with acne, if you are dealing with sun damage or just anti-aging, or if you know nothing about skincare, which I have to say, I mean, that's probably 80% of my clients. They just are like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. You know, come talk to me. I would love to help you. I actually have some clients that have even said, I don't feel comfortable going into a spa or going into a place to see an esthetician. They they just, they physically don't want to go in and see somebody. Come see me. Like I, come talk to me. You know, we can do it. We do a FaceTime or if you don't have an iPhone, then we do, you know, we find another way to do it. Or you can just send me pictures of your skin. I want you to be comfortable. And if you're not comfortable having a one-on-one conversation, then we can do it whatever way makes you feel comfortable getting me the information because I want you to have better skin, but I don't want you to feel uncomfortable in the process. So we will figure that out. Just let me know. And then also, if you have signed up for the skincare coaching, I do have this on the website, but I think some people just miss it because it's all new information. But just make sure that you check your spam folder, your junk mail, whatever, because as soon as you purchase it, within 24 hours, at the most 48 hours, but usually usually within just a few hours, I will send you an email with a consultation form to fill out. And it comes from info at pureskinoc.com. So if you have purchased skincare coaching from me, please check your spam mail or your junk mail because I have sent all those out at this point. So if you have purchased it and you haven't seen an email from me, please check your junk or spam mail because I have definitely sent it out. If it's not there for some reason, please reach out to me and I will resend it to you. All right. So I think we're done with that. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you love this podcast, I hope you love this podcast, please leave me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. The reviews help, especially now that we are moving to a different platform, now that I have this properly produced, now that it sounds like a professional podcast. Reviews really, really help, and it's really going to help grow this podcast into what I have been dreaming of for almost four years now. So reviews really, really help, and I would appreciate it if you could just take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave that five-star review and just a few kind words. I very much appreciate it. And of course, share with all of your friends and family because the more people we have listening, then the more we can keep doing this. So thank you so much for that. Okay, so I just wanted to, I was going to kind of just tell you guys about my morning a little bit today because why not? I had to wake up at six o'clock this morning because I had an MRI at 7.30 this morning. Yay. And I don't know about you guys, but so if I have to wake up early and it seems like if I have to wake up before 7 a.m., for some reason, my body freaks out. Like I'm gonna, I don't know 
oversleep or something, which, by the way, I don't oversleep. I actually, I'm not a good sleeper. So I, I just, I don't oversleep. And plus, I mean, I have dogs, so they don't allow me to oversleep even if I wanted to. But anyways, if I have to wake up early, my body, for some reason, makes me wake up. So I have been awake since 4 a.m. because I knew I had to wake up early for this MRI, and I could not go back to sleep because my body's like, well, you have to wake up in two hours, so let's just wake up now. I mean, it's so silly. Like, why Why does my brain do that? I don't know. Does this happen to you guys? I know you can't answer me, but I just want to know. Like, is it just me? Like, I just want to sleep. Just give me two more hours of sleep. That's a lot of sleep. It wasn't like two more minutes. It was two more hours. Anyways, I've been up since 4 a.m. Okay, so then I go do the MRI. Super easy because it's just MRI of my neck and my back. And I did one of my knee a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, this is just like old hat for me now. So I do that. And then I also had physical, I did get my nails done today too. So that was kind of fun. And then I had to go to physical therapy today. And that was, it was my first session. I had physical therapy for my knee today because I thought I had torn my meniscus. Luckily, I did not. I just have like my cartilage in like my knee is worn out or torn or I don't know, something, whatever. It's just pretty painful back there. Anyway, so I have therapy to hopefully strengthen it. I don't really understand how it how it works, but if physical therapy doesn't work, then I have to get, I have two options of some shots that I can get to help repair it, whatever happens. Anyway, so the physical therapist is is telling me a couple things that I can start doing. And one of them is using a stationary bike to help the knee, which is fine. And then he was saying, or I can start going into like a a pool. And he's like, do you have access to a pool? And I said, oh yeah. I said, my parents, my parents have a pool. So as I go to leave, he goes, okay. He's like, so get on a stationary bike and then hop in a pool. And I looked at him and I said, have you never talked to a woman today before? And I said, you don't tell a woman to get into a bathing suit and go into a pool. And he, luckily there was no, I mean, this is a big place. And like, I think it was lunchtime. And so he, like, it was just him and I and the receptionist who I actually know. She's a client of mine and I love her dearly. But anyways, he erupted into the loudest laughter. Like, this guy's married and has, like, daughters and stuff. So, like, of course, he's around women. But he thought that was so funny. And he was like, I didn't tell you to go into a public pool. I'm like, I know. I was just giving you a hard time. Anyways, if you guys don't know this, uh, very self-deprecating humor. But I wasn't being serious. I will get into a pool because anything I can do to help my knee, I will do. And I don't own a stationary bike, so I guess I have to go to the gym or something or buy one. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, that's been my day so far. Just busy, busy, busy. Just trying to get a hold of all these, like, issues that I have with my neck and my back and my knee and and all that stuff. And trying to stay positive, right? Because positivity makes you get better faster. Anyways, okay, so there's my Wednesday. 
I hope you guys are having a great Wednesday. You guys want to get started on this podcast, finally? Let's talk about something fun first. I'm going to talk to you guys about... (laughs) It's actually kind of funny. So I'm going to tell you guys some stuff that, like, way back when, some ridiculous beauty trends that used to be popular, but, like, this was... I mean, I'm talking, like, centuries ago like centuries. So this is like back in history. So definitely not something that happened a few years ago. Um, but these are some really interesting things that used to, that, that that people used to do. I mean, it's, it's so crazy, but I mean, we all have to start somewhere and this is, this is where people started. So here we go. Okay. Shampoo. No, I do not mean shampoo. I mean shampoo. The Incans actually used to use urine as a form of anti-dandruff shampoo because of the urea found in urine. They would allow the their urine to ferment for over a week and then use it as their own version of head and shoulders. So there you go, guys. If you uh, are ever out of head and shoulders, now you have a backup. And here's the thing. They weren't the only ones because ancient Roman women would often use urine as a mouthwash to make their breath smell better. I, I just, I can't even imagine. They would also brush their teeth with urine because of the presence of ammonia, which is a natural cleaning agent. Portuguese urine was the top of the range and was the most preferred. Um, I'm kind of wondering why Portuguese urine was so special. Like what, I don't know. Really interesting. The product was so popular that Emperor Nero even had to place a tax on it. I mean, what was the Portuguese people eating that made their urine so special? I don't know. It's really interesting. Okay, mice wash. If you thought the urine mouthwash was bad, the ancient Egyptians took it a step further. If you... (laughs) If you had a toothache or just wanted fresh breath, the ancient Egyptians would mash dead mice with other ingredients to cure severe toothaches. I don't know. I think I would just take the toothache, maybe, or I would just pull the tooth out. I don't know. That just sounds awful. The whole thing sounds awful. I just, I'm so glad I live when I live now because I don't, I just don't know that I would have been cut out for that time period. I just, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm glad I'm, I'm around in 2022. I don't think I could have made it. I really don't. People from multiple historical civilizations used to use lead to make their skin appear paler while also giving themselves lead poisoning. I mean, you win some, you lose some. During the Middle Ages, women would remove their eyelashes. So back in the Middle Ages, a woman's forehead was considered the sexiest feature. So women would often remove all of their eyelashes and their eyebrows to highlight this part of 
their face. I find this really interesting considering all the things women do now, first of all, for their eyebrows and their eyelashes. But I just think of like what women do now to like accentuate their cleavage. I mean, can you imagine if we were still trying to accentuate our foreheads? I mean, that <laughs> it's really interesting. Another one, women used to use tooth powders made out of cuttlefish and bicarbonate of soda to whiten their teeth. In other words, they use sulfuric sulfuric acid on their teeth, which is both painful and dangerous. I mean, they were just living on the edge every day of their life. They really were. And with lead being applied to their face, Georgian women often had their eyebrows fall off. I mean, they didn't have to, they were accentuating their foreheads anyways. So they got creative and they would either pencil in their new brows or wore brows made of mice fur. I mean, they really, I don't know. I guess they just made do with whatever they had. So they took the mice and used them for multiple things. Okay, so women weren't the only one who did crazy things. Men from different historical civilizations tried multiple things to cure baldness, which is interesting to me that this has always been a thing for men, that, like, whereas women... Like, it used to be, like, if women were, like, overweight, that was a sign of wealth, whereas, like, now, like, it's not, like, it's considered, like, bad to be overweight, you know, whatever. Like, it's definitely, that's been a different trend with women, like, overweight, skinny, overweight, skinny, whatever. With men, it just seems like it's always supposedly been a bad thing for men to be bald. Honestly, I like a bald man. But men definitely can be insecure about that. Anyways, in ancient Egypt, men would blend lead, iron oxide, onions, honey, alabaster, and fat to apply on their heads. And in ancient Greece, men would blend cumin, pigeon droppings, horseradish, and nettles. None of the mixtures worked at all, if you can believe it. Obviously, we know they didn't work. The ancient Romans and Greeks bathed in crocodile dung. That's disgusting. I've actually posted about that before. It's gross. They thought crocodile dung had restorative and beautifying properties and would mix it with mud for a relaxing bath or anti-aging facials. Can you imagine just being like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go relax in some crocodile dung. No, thank you. During Victorian times, women would fully submerge themselves in arsenic to get pale white skin. Bath gave them a glow and also poisoned them in the process. So two for one. Back in the early 1900s, in a time where I did not exist, in a time where people couldn't listen to this podcast and realize they should stay away from this, people would eat arsenic complexion wafers. The wafers were meant to get rid of blackheads, rough skin, and pimples. But guess what it also did? It could also poison them. I mean, they really just were looking to kill themselves faster. But maybe that was the goal. Maybe life was just hard and they're like, whatever, we'll do this and guess we'll die faster too. 
During the Renaissance, women wanted to look as pale as they possibly could. To achieve achieve this, they would undergo bloodletting where they bled themselves or would even use leeches and let them suck their blood. The blood loss made their skin paler. It's crazy that they want to look more pale because look at everybody now. Everybody's like, how tan can we get? Oh my gosh, it's just crazy. Okay. Women in the Elizabethan era strove to achieve sparkling eyes by using a few drops of belladonna in the eye to dilate the pupils, as that was considered attractive. The problem with this was belladonna caused minor visual distortions, inability to focus on near objects, and prolonged use caused blindness. <laughs> I mean, did any of this really like do anything like good for them? 16th century skincare routines involved peel made from mercury. While some use lemon juice and rose water as a remedy for blemishes and spots, which is funny because people are still using lemon juice. Please stop using that. Others made a face mask of alum, honey, eggshells, and of course, more mercury. I mean, why not? Just pour all the mercury on us. No problem. And then corsets. I mean, you guys know. I mean, we all know about corsets and how awful that people I had to wear those, but in the 18th and 19th centuries, tiny waists were the trend and metal corsets were used to help with the look. But this look came with a price. Women who wore corsets regularly suffered from displaced organs and broken ribs. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just crazy. That's just crazy. I don't know. I found all those really interesting, really funny. I am so glad that we have come so far and things are not like that anymore because, <laughs> I mean, we'd all be dead. So I guess it's a really good thing we're not like that anymore. But anyways, I hope you guys found that interesting and laughed a little bit because that's why I'm telling the stories. Right, you guys. So let's get on to the main event. Let's talk about hyperpigmentation and melasma. Now, they are two different things, and it's something that most of us struggle with, unfortunately. And there are a lot of products out there making huge promises to get rid of both of these. And I'm going to break them down for you, and I'm going to explain to you the best options for the skin without damaging the skin. As you know, that is always my goal. Let's fix the problem without causing another one, okay? Now, some people are prone to hyperpigmentation and melasma based on genetics, but really everyone could be susceptible um, from the fair skin to the darkest. Um, you know, it's really why everybody should be wearing sunscreen. Um, nobody is born with either of these. Every baby is free of hyperpigmentation, including freckles. Freckles are caused by melanin. Melanin is a pigment in the skin and is what gives skin its color. When the sun hits the skin, it causes a production of 
melanin so that it can protect the skin layers underneath. Once melanin builds up in one place, a freckle is the result. Now, I've had, I've posted about freckles many times, and I've had people tell me that they were born with freckles. I've had people tell me that they've had them since they were a baby, and you can say all you want. It doesn't matter. Freckles are caused by melanin. This is just, it's just a fact. It's not my opinion. So let's talk about melasma. Melasma looks like dark, discolored patches on the skin. They are usually brown or even a brown-gray color. You will find melasma most commonly on the forehead, around the mouth, upper lip is super common, and outside part of the face. It can happen anywhere, though. Melasma is the overproduction of melanin. Melanocytes are cells that are found in the dermis, which is the deepest layer of the skin. These cells produce melanin, and melanin is in groups called melanosomes, and they move up to the surface of the skin, and that's the color you see show up. Hormones seem to cause melasma, but sun exposure, heat, and skin irritation can also be a cause and definitely make it worse. So how can you tell the difference between melasma and hyperpigmentation? Now, a while ago, I posted on my Instagram, like kind of a little trick of how you can tell the difference. And I, I'll post it again. Um, so this is just a little trick, but really what you want to do is go see a professional so you really can know for sure. But this is what you can do. After you have cleansed the skin, so after you get out of the shower, stretch the area you are looking at. If the skin appears lighter than it did when it was at rest, then that means the damage is more superficial and closer to the surface, hyperpigmentation. If the skin appears darker, it means the damage is much deeper in the dermis and will be more difficult to treat, melasma, okay? Women are more prone to melasma than men. Of course we are. Since hormones play a big part, this is why we are affected more. Pregnant women suffer from it, but sometimes the melasma will fade away after the baby, sometimes after nursing, when the hormones have calmed down. Sunscreen becomes super important. I mean, you should be wearing it anyway, because the sun can make it darker and permanent. Pregnancy mask is a real thing. That's what they call when you get that darkness above the upper lip, and you don't want that to become permanent darkness. Birth control can cause melasma too, again, because of the hormones. And I mean, this is actually had started happening to me. I was on birth control. I had switched or I can't remember the exact details. And all of a sudden I saw my my lip, my upper lip getting dark. And I was like, um, no, thank you. And I can't remember if I had heard about this already or somebody told me. I don't remember because this is before I was an esthetician, but I immediately like changed the pill and 
luckily it went away. So sometimes you can just, you know, change your birth control, change what you're doing, and that darkness can go away. But I mean, I took care of it pretty quickly. So it was not, it did not stay permanent for me because this is before I was religious about sunscreen too. So, oh my gosh, cross my fingers. I'm so glad that I, that I took care of it. Anyways, genetics play a part. If you see it in your family, you are probably going to get it. Sorry, it's kind of like dark circles. Those with darker skin get it because they have more active melanocytes, so it's easier to overstimulate and get melasma. Okay, so see, here are some ways our skin develops the pigmentation. Sun exposure. The sun triggers the production of melanin. The skin is usually worse in the summer months. Using good skincare and regular facial treatments, you can minimize damage. It is completely normal to have your skin get darker in some spots in the summer and lighter in those same spots in the winter. I want to also say that this is important to remember, sun damage can take up to 10 years to show. That means you can think that your skin is fine after a summer in the sun, but later your skin will show the damage. Um, This happens to me. Like, you guys know, I've been doing this for 10 years, and every year I think, okay, good. Like, I'm finally, like, I I feel like I'm on top of the sun damage, and then something, a new spot shows up, and I'm like, okay, I got a microneedle, I got to do a chemical peel. Like, I've got to combat a new spot or spots, and that's just the way it goes, and it's because of the damage that I did prior. Even though I'm so good with my skin now, the damage is starting to show up and I got to I got to take care of it. So, but if I had to do it again, I'd be more diligent about my sunscreen, that is for sure. Heat. This one usually surprises people because people don't realize that it's not just the sun itself. It's the heat that the sun gives off. And it's also from things like a sauna, or, I mean, you could be at the beach and just, if you're sitting under an umbrella, it's just the heat the the sun gives off or, you know, anything like, uh, this is why after a chemical peel, you don't want to go work out because you don't want the skin to get hot. All of that stuff is a, is a trigger. So you really want to be careful. So, so most people think as long as they avoid the actual sun, they will not have any pigmentation problems. It definitely helps, but heat triggers inflammation and inflammation triggers the increase of melanin activity. So even if you go to the beach and wear sunscreen, big sunglasses, a big hat, and sit under a big umbrella, you can still get the damage. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there you go. Over exfoliation. So I am really careful with my clients and and how often they exfoliate. When I create a home care plan for them, I consider both the physical and the chemical exfoliations. Too much can cause pigmentation. And as I said above, inflammation triggers the increase of melanin activity. So even if you can't see the inflammation, it can still be happening. I have said this a million times. I have posted this a million times on my social media. It's really important. And this is why I always say, see a professional because even if you can't see the inflammation, even if you can't see the damage that's happening on your skin, it can still be happening. And that's what you want to avoid. Picking at blemishes or, you know, acne, whatever, or picking at anything 
on your face. So it doesn't have to be a blemish. It could just, like, maybe you scratched your face and you're picking at that. You know, maybe you have a dry spot and you're picking at that. So anything that you could be picking at at on your face, this is bad for many reasons. But one of the biggest is that it can create what is called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, or sometimes we just shorten it to P-I-H. So if you see that around P-I-H, that's what it is, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And like sun damage, you don't always see it until a few years later. Sometimes what will happen is even if you're not picking at it, this happens a lot with acne, with cystic acne, and you get that mark after like the acne is gone, but you still have the, the mark left from it. That's kind of what PIH is. So you really want to take care of the skin and don't pick at it. Don't pick at it. Hormones. Due to the increase of hormones during pregnancy, melasma is often caused. It's just another form of pigmentation, but harder to lighten. A lot of women will experience what's called a pregnancy mask, like I talked about. The upper lip will darken. This can also happen with birth control and even some medications. Always ask your doctor. I've seen many clients with melasma all over their face, so it's not exclusive to the upper lip. Everyone is different in how they will react. But there are some worse than others. You know, luckily, no long-term damage can necessarily be, you know, caused because everybody is different. Like some people, it can just fade away after pregnancy, after nursing, but sometimes it lingers. But just make sure you're wearing sunscreen because that will definitely help. Also, I see sometimes pregnant women will, you know, lay out in the sun you know, you really want to be careful with that because just the way the sun hits your skin because of the hormones and everything, like your tan can be uneven, all of that. And you just, you really want to, you want to be careful. I'm not saying that pregnant women can't be in the sun. You just, you have to be extra careful. It's just not the same for you as it is for people who are not pregnant. I'm sorry, but you get a wonderful baby at the end of all of it. So <laughs> that's your reward for staying out of the sun. And then, oh, I wanted to tell you guys a little story. So my friend, my doctor friend that I've told you guys about many times, she came in, you know, she's been my client for, I don't know, many years. And she ha she deals with melasma. Now we've done microneedling, so her melasma is significantly better. Like I have lots of before and after pictures of her on my social media, but it's so much better. But before I started doing, or I'm doing microchanneling, but same thing. But before I started doing that, she was dealing with uh, melasma, and we would kind of lighten it. It would kind of get better, but there are certain areas on her face that she didn't have it. Anyways, she came in one day, and I was, like, giving her a facial, and I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, she had, like, these dark spots kind of, like, by her eyes, and it was new. Like, I had never seen that. And I said to her, Mom, is there a chance you're pregnant? And she and she, I knew she wasn't like she has three kids. Like I knew she wasn't trying to get pregnant, but I was like, "Is there a chance?" And she goes, "Funny you say that. I have been, you know, she's a busy doctor. 
and three kids. Like she goes, I've been meaning to take a test because I have been wondering if I am. So because I said this, she went home and took a test and that's how she found out she was pregnant with her fourth kid. So because I know her skin so well and because of those dark spots by her eyes, which was the melasma because of her hormones, that's how she found out she was pregnant with her fourth kid. So, you know, it really can pop up that quickly. And if your esthetician knows your skin as well as I know her skin, then we can tell pretty quickly. So anyway, that was a fun story. Okay, so now I'm going to go over some ways to help the areas that you're that you're dealing with with the hyperpigmentation and melasma. Okay, so as I kind of mentioned above with melasma, look at your birth control. If that's the cause, maybe you have to change it. Maybe you can get off of it, whatever it is, but maybe look at that to see because there's so many different types of birth control and maybe you can't switch. Maybe that's not an option for you, but if it is, I would look into it if the melasma does bother you. Vitamin C, it's a powerful antioxidant. It's shown to reduce the number of sunburned cells as well as reverse age-related damage to the skin. Antioxidants help fight cell damage from free radicals, which are molecules that could injure cells and increase inflammation. It does not replace sunscreen, but vitamin C protects against and may repair UV damage like discoloration. It also helps brighten the skin, which can make the overall appearance of the skin healthier. And this is safe for those pregnant or lactating. I love vitamin C. And I recommend this to every single client over the age of 18. Everybody should be using this every single morning without fail, every client because it is such an amazing ingredient, and this is off-topic, but you cannot store and build more collagen without vitamin C. So it is such an important ingredient for so many reasons. You need vitamin C. Your skin needs vitamin C. I love it. I love it. And I love my vitamin C serum. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So... If you need a new vitamin C serum, please check out mine at pureskinoc.com. It's fantastic. Okay, another product is retinol. It's a natural form of vitamin A. This boosts the thickness and elasticity of the skin, therefore reducing the signs of wrinkles. There is an abundant amount of evidence to support that retinol works, and finding it in the right products is a tricky part because you need to have enough to get results. And retinol works by promoting cellular renewal and collagen production to improve skin texture and to diminish brown spots, but it is not safe for pregnant or lactating women, okay? Now, I like a retinol. I personally cannot really use it. Retinol serums, um, I got to a point where I could use it a little bit, but my skin still didn't love it. So I found, when I came across Victoria Deanne serums, which I'm obsessed with, and they have a product called the Rejuvenator, and it is comparable to a retinol, but it doesn't have all the side effects of a retinol. So you don't have to worry about the sun, and you don't have to worry about any skin sensitivities. The rejuvenator is going to promote the appearance of thicker, healthier, more youthful looking skin, which I believe I 
just said about the retinol. Has antioxidants and vitamins to nourish and smooth the skin. I love the rejuvenator. The worst that's going to happen when you start using it is possibly maybe your skin can purge a little bit, a little bit. It doesn't cause a full-blown breakout and not even everybody purges. And it, you feel a little tingle when you put it on your skin because it has niacinamide in, in it, which is an amazing ingredient and you want to use that too. It just, I love it. And it has three different levels. So there's mild, medium, and ultra. I usually start all my clients off on mild and then you just build up. It, it just kind of depends. So it's, I, like I said, I start everybody off on mild and then you move up. We have a conversation, decide whether, when it's time to move up to the next level. But I absolutely love this. And this is something that I can use on my skin every single night. And I love it. I mean, I, I can't believe the difference that it has made in my skin. And I will never go back. Well, never say never, but I can't imagine ever going back to an actual retinol serum again. And for those that can't use a retinol because you might be pregnant or your skin doesn't like it or your skin is too sensitive or it's summertime and you're worried about the sun or whatever, you can use a rejuvenator and your skin will be just fine. Now, you still want to use the sunscreen because you always do, but the rejuvenator is so gentle and it's lovely and it's full of peptides. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Cannot recommend it enough. Honestly, vitamin C and rejuvenator, absolutely two favorite serums. They're fantastic. Okay, next thing, exfoliation. Now, before I talked about over-exfoliation, but you still want to exfoliate. So it's important to exfoliate the skin to break up the pigmented areas, okay? But you just don't want to over exfoliate. Now, I do have a great scrub that also acts as a mask. It's my glycolic, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? It's a retinol exfoliating scrub slash mask. And it's awesome. It has glycolic acid and it has retinol in it. Now, this I can use because it's, it's not the same as like a, a retinol serum. So, it does tingle for me a little bit. So, I can use this about once a week is what I do. But, uh, you know, people can usually use it about two to three times a week with no problem. But my skin is just very temperamental. But I love it. I use it as a, a mask and just makes my skin feel really soft. And I just, it has gentle scrubbing beads. It's jojoba beads, so they're really soft. I like to use it in the shower because it's just easier to like rinse it all off. And the steam also helps kind of push it in a little bit deeper into the skin. Love it. Over time, it will help to lighten and lift hyperpigmentation. And then I also have these glycolic retinol pads. They So they act as a toner. So it's a leave-on. And those are really great for hyperpigmentation. So if I'm doing chemical peels, those are two products that I absolutely make sure that I actually, the last four products that I just talked about, those clients, I make sure my clients always use those. They, they're really great to help lift uh, hyperpigmentation. And those glycolic retinol pads, I think they're like $25 or something for like 50 pads. I mean, and you only use them like just a few times a week. So they last a long time. But I love them. Skin, uh, what's my website? Pureskinoc.com. 
Com. They're they're amazing and they're so inexpensive. I love them because I know a lot of those type of pads that you buy like at Nordstrom or something, they're like $50, $60, $70. I mean, they're ridiculous. So you can get these professional ones that are going to be stronger for like 25 bucks. It's totally worth it. Anyways, I love them. Okay, so sunscreen. Obviously, I'm going to talk about sunscreen. Wear it every day, whether you're inside, whether you're outside. SPF 30, I think it's the perfect number. You can go up to SPF 50. You absolutely do not need to go higher than 50. Do not. Zinc is the best. You want a physical sunscreen that's going to give you the best protection. Most damage is done incidentally about 78%, which means when you are not at the beach, but just running errands around town or sitting in your car or next to a window at work or next to a window at home for those working remotely. And just as a reminder, sunscreen in your makeup will not help. You have to wear about seven times the amount to actually get that number on the bottle. Sunscreen is skincare and skincare, why can I not talk? And skincare is separate from makeup. Skincare first, makeup second, always. Okay, facials. It's always important getting facials. One facial is not going to get rid of hyperpigmentation, certainly not melasma. But, you know, when you're dealing with a specific skin issue, Talking to somebody, talking to your esthetician, they're going to lead you in the right direction. They're going to get you on good products. They're going to do facials that are going to help you. They're going to target those issues. So that's why facials are good. And then they might lead you to the direction of chemical peels, okay? Now, I'll only perform chemical peel series between November and and May, where I'm actually done at this point. Like, I won't do chemical peels anymore. I'm very strict on this rule. I live in Orange County, California. I think it was like 80 degrees today. So, you know, I'm not going to fix the skin while damaging it at the same time, because don't forget, it's not just the sun, but it's the heat from the sun, too. So, I do it slow and steady. It's a few weeks of chemical peels. I recommend a home care plan so my clients can get the most benefits. And they basically have no downtime and you can still live your life. It's amazing. And I love these chemical peels really work. Now, my absolute favorite, 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 favorite treatment that really helps with micro, I'm sorry, with melasma and hyperpigmentation is microneedling or microchanneling, whatever you want. I mean, I do microchanneling. It's the same idea, just different devices. Now, this involves using fine needles to create hundreds of tiny invisible puncture wounds in the top layer of skin. The micro injuries created stimulates the body's natural wound healing processes, resulting in cell turnover and increased collagen and elastin, therefore reversing as well as preventing the signs of aging. Your home care products will also work better. So all those products that I just mentioned are going to work even better to lift the hyperpigmentation, to lift that melasma. And I have seen some amazing results from microchanneling. Melasma is a difficult thing to treat, and I was surprised how well this treatment worked. 
You can check out my before and after pictures on my website and my Instagram, if or even TikTok and Facebook, if you want to see some of these pictures, even with the melasma. Like I just wasn't expecting the results that I that I got. I mean, I was expecting like fine lines and wrinkles. I was expecting texture. I was expecting skin tone. But melasma and hyperpigmentation, like it was, in, it was absolutely incredible. Okay, laser treatments. This comes up a lot. I don't know if it comes up for everybody, but in my area, laser treatments are huge. And I am, I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan. I, I, they produce heat. So most laser treatments use heat, and this actually can make melasma worse. And I've seen and I've heard way too many stories about this happening. So I personally do not recommend. So just do your research. Just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Thermoclear. So this is my machine that I use to like zap skin imperfections. I've talked about this a lot. And I've often asked if this machine can help. It cannot help with melasma. It's too deep, and my machine only works on the surface. Now, I have helped people with hyperpigmentation. Like, I've posted the picture of my client's hands, and just, it was pretty incredible. I've done, you know, spots here and there on people's faces and arms and hands and chest and and stuff like that. So, it can help with hyperpigmentation. I make no guarantees because it works for some people, and it doesn't work for others. And there's no way to tell if it's going to work for you or not. It's it's a very it's very interesting because it's not even like how long it's been there, how old the person is. It just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I do love the Thermoclear. But it does not work for melasma. All right. So that's it folks. Melasma is a different animal than hyperpigmentation. So so just just know that. It's much more complex, but I don't think it's a lost cause. And it's interesting because just a few years ago, I would have said that melasma is almost impossible. <laughs> like, it's so hard to fix. But now that we have microneedling, microchanneling, I just feel like it is much more, much easier to, to treat and I'm, I'm definitely seeing results for my clients. So hopefully I broke this down enough so you know the direction to go in fixing it. If you have any questions, please reach out. If you want to sign up for my skincare coaching, you know, please sign up on the website. I would love to help you. It is one of my favorite things to do for sure. And don't forget to follow me on social media at PureSkinOC. And of course, give the podcast five stars and share it with all your friends and family because they deserve to have lovely skin too. I hope you guys have a great week and we will talk soon. Thanks guys. Bye.